Hey there, welcome to another episode of Film Streak. Uh, this episode is a little bit different. If you've heard the last two, you know that we've been covering uh, some films here at the Houston Latino Film Festival, and this is the seventh annual festival. And uh, as I've said before, I'm proud to be uh, a part of this and, and know these guys and know the crew here and know everything that they're trying to do bring Latino films to Houston. And uh, so I hope you enjoyed uh, talking about those films in the previous episodes, but here, this episode, I want to do something different. We're going to talk about, uh, actually, we're not going to talk about anything. I want to let these filmmakers talk about their films and their experiences and how they're liking the festival. Um, just kind of get their side of it. You know, we could talk about the stories of the films and the subject matter, but I really wanted to go into a little bit more of their creative process and the challenges that they might have hit. And if you're a filmmaker, if any filmmakers out there are interested in this kind of thing, this might be a good place to, to get an idea of what it takes to make a film like this, whether it's a short film or a feature film, whether it's a documentary or narrative. Uh, and, and then how do you get that into a festival? And what's that experience like? So hopefully this uh, grab bag of interviews, uh, this might give you an idea of how that goes. Now, the audio is going to be a little crazy because uh, this was taken at random times during the festival. So uh, it'll be a little hit or miss, but uh, hopefully you can uh, make it out and enjoy it all the same. So uh, let's let's roll it. Uh, so I am here with Rodrigo Reyes and the name of your film, Sansón and me. OK, Sansón y yo. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thanks for taking a minute. Uh, the film's really great. We screened it here. And um, I want to ask you a few questions about the filmmaking process. Specifically with this type of film, it's a very unique approach to a documentary. And can you tell me a little bit about the thinking there, the decision to do this, th this documentary this way? Yeah, and so for folks who are listening, Sansonillo tells the story of my friendship with, with my friend Sanson, who's doing life without parole. I met him when I was his interpreter, and we set off to make this film. And what's really interesting is that the system never gave us a chance to interview him, to talk to him on camera. There's no archive, right? So there were all these challenges that basically were pushing us to say, hey, go make a movie about someone else. Go make a movie about a different type of prisoner, uh, someone easier maybe, someone that's a hero to the Latino community or something. And, and you realize, man, like, that's the system. The system is controlling my friend's story. He was 19 years old. He was convicted to life without parole for being a driver. I mean, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we started looking for solutions, right? And over the years, it took like 10 years to make this film, we wrote letters, right? That's how we stayed in touch, like, you know, and that's where we talked about the really deep stuff. We got really deep with, uh, with, with our relationship through the letters. Mm -hmm. And I realized one day, man, like, I have all these letters. There's got to be some solution to bringing them to life. And I reread them all. Like, I'm talking like 400 pages or something. This is back like five years ago. So now there's probably like a thousand. But in his very first letter to me, he said, man, are you, how are you going to tell my story? Like, there's nothing, you know, out there about me. Are you going to get an actor? It'd be really cool if they let me act in the movie. You think they would do that? You know, I don't think the prisoners, uh, prison authorities are going to do that. Ha -ha. Sure, sure. And, and so I said, wait a minute, Sanson. Maybe not you, but maybe your family who's still around and they're in Mexico and they can't visit you. Maybe they can help you bring your memories to life, right? Mm -hmm. Because we had all these family members that could play his memories. Like mm -hmm. his own mm -hmm. nephew could play him and he looks like him right. and his sister could play his mom. And so that's what we did. And so the film becomes very magical like that because you're seeing his family uh, reenact his memories and bring them to life. And you're also... Um, processing like how trauma works for people who are incarcerated right. you know like you're seeing like oh man like this thing is alive it's alive in the memories of people um, and it's not just one moment that things went wrong things went wrong for a very long time before a kid gets you know in trouble and gets sentenced to something like this yeah mm -hmm. and so that's a that's an interesting point I want to touch on that um, having his family involved with this uh, it's, it's even, there are portions of the film where it's addressed that this is hard for them. And can you maybe talk a little bit more about, 
you know, the, the lengths that you had to kind of go to, to, to maybe get them involved and get their cooperation. Uh, yeah, at first it was just like, like a great idea and it's like, okay, the movie's going to start moving because now we have a solution and the family was ready to act and Sansón asked them to be a part of it. And, but then very quickly we realized, man, like we're reliving trauma and that's mm -hmm. painful. Right. And Sanson kind of checks me in the movie and he says, hey, man, like this was really a lot more painful than I thought. You know, it's not fun. It's actually hard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I need you to be aware of this. I'm kind of thinking of not doing the movie anymore. And so we had to process that. And I think that's important for audiences to see that because behind that is the reason why we don't really talk about these social problems in a meaningful way right it's mm -hmm. always black and white mm -hmm. blue or red and it's like man if you want to understand how to stop the prison pipeline and stop these kids from getting caught up in the system you have to be willing to listen right mm -hmm. and so that was hard you know um and i left it in the film i yeah. didn't hide it i wanted us to think about that but then the film keeps growing right and mm -hmm. sanson keeps growing up and our relationship keeps becoming stronger and he he gets past that, yeah. you know, and so I, does the family. I I think I mean I commend you on that because it's kind of a it's a it's a bold move, it's a bold choice to say, well, we didn't just easily make this film. There were challenges, even with just cooperating with the family and and even him, maybe having his own doubts or resistance to it, and to leave that in there that shows that. There's challenges all around for this this young man and for you as the filmmaker trying to tell this story, and so, you know, one other thing, uh, watching the film, I'm curious is what kind of resistance or pushback have you gotten from this kind of that's, a story? That's a great follow-up question. Um, yeah. So when I was making the film, I would get pushback around um, oh this idea of like you picked a guy who who is not a saint he's not completely innocent um you're making latinos look bad right like we get that nagging it's almost like this thing that we have in our culture where people are like embarrassed and embarrassment is the number one priority don't embarrass me even if you kind of have to be embarrassed to get through and to fix the problem to, to face yeah exactly. to confront yeah. there's thousands of kids like sanson mm -hmm thousands and thousands across the country that are doing life without parole. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about them. Why? Because we're embarrassed because they make Latinos look bad. You know, it's ridiculous. And that pushback, I think, to me, you know, it was very disappointing. But then I would think, well, how am I going to say that to my friend? I'm going to write him a letter and say, hey, man, your story makes us look bad as a people. So I'm sorry. I got to find a, a nicer story after you've committed to me, after you've trusted me. So... I felt that his story was important because it wasn't being told. And because he committed to me, mm -hmm. I had to keep my word, right? Sure. And, like, that's what that's what kept me going. And now that the film is out in the world, you see that people are like, oh, man, that happened to my cousin. That happened to my uncle. That happened to my dad. That happened to me, right? Like, I've had people, formerly incarcerated people, who've seen it and said, hey, you know, that's exactly the process I went through, trying to figure out what happened to my life that got me inside, right? Um, that's the process I went through to build hope and to build a, a you know a life for myself inside, and so I, I I'm very happy that the value of the film is not in question, and maybe many people in our community will ask themselves, hey, like we kind of have to start listening to why these kids keep going to prison, right? Yeah, for as many people, and this is my take on it, but I think for as many people who might say we don't we don't want to show that we don't want to see that. There are just as many people who relate to that and who identify with that experience either directly or through family or people they know in their life. And that, that's why I agree. It's, it is important to show this kind of a story. And, and I think the, the, the approach that you took to it is certainly unique enough where it's not just a straight through and through documentary and it's not a narrative. You know, it's not a, a fictional piece. You really incorporate the reality of it, even showing, you know, where he's from, and the life and the the, the home setting that he had. So, with that in mind, are there any maybe lessons just overall from from making the film, whether it's handling a subject or handling a, a person at the core of the film? Any lessons you take away from that? 
Yeah, I think the style of the film for me, it, it feels very engaging, right? Like you should feel like you're like, wow, I'm writing on this story and it's got highs and lows and it's dramatic and it's intense. Um, it's not your average documentary where you feel like you're like eating your cereal or something uh, and learning something for homework. It's really about being in his life. And I took a lot of inspiration in like this idea of like there's a deeper truth. It's not just the facts. It's also like the emotions. Right. And collaborating with Sanson and making him like uplifting his voice. Right. In his letters, he writes with a lot of poetry. He writes with a lot of style. You know, he's got a point of view of the world. Mm -hmm. And I wanted the film to feel like that. Like you're hearing a story. Is the story completely 100 percent fact? Well, it's his memories. It's right. it's almost like like you know in Latino culture we have corridos, right? Mm-hmm. Mexican culture, mm-hmm. the film is very much like a corrido, you know, and, and a good corrido is based on fact, mm-hmm. but it's also a little bit of a legend, right? Sure. It's a little bit of a myth, yeah. And that's what makes it cool, right? right? That's what makes it special, yeah. And I felt the film had to bring that into the style, you know, so that you walk away really kind of with more like that 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 inspiration, that dreaminess, you know, of his life, and you still feel like you got to know him. How how important was that? So I, I know there's a point in the film where you have to address that he hasn't been in touch with you after some time and was that a a, a possible issue like with continuing the film or, or getting it finished yeah it was it was an issue i mean at some point we were starting to disagree and he he was starting to question hey should i make this film but i think if you go back to to what it takes to be a friend with somebody like are really close, close friends. I don't think there's anyone who has not fought mm-hmm. with their best friend. Sure. That's why they're your best friend because they get really close to you and, and they can hurt, yeah. right? And so we worked with that, uh, with Sanson. We worked on it and um, he he regained trust in me and I re, you know, also regained trust in him because the film also pushes him to confront um, the things right. that he doesn't really want to acknowledge around, around the, his situation and his case. Um, you know, I tell him some hard truths in the film too, but mm-hmm. but it's all with love, and I think that's the magic. Um, you know that we were able to become friends, and I, and I think if you if you're Latino, especially, you know how divided our community is by class and race. Yeah, it's really hard for people to be friends across those lines. Sure. And me and Sanson becoming friends is really important. You know, that's what the film is about. And. And it, it was a process. It was hard, you know. But but ultimately, I think we're we're all good, right? Like, we both kind of grew up with this film. He taught me a lot, and I taught him something. Great. So Great. so we can continue to build together. I, I'm actually going to go see him next weekend. Wow. And he's going to be so happy to hear that I was here in Houston. Okay. Okay. You know, like yeah. that the film is traveling. He's like, oh, what did people say there? Oh yeah, like, and who went? You know, like. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's That's great. I mean, I, I certainly hope you're getting good feedback and, and seeing the, the, the reception that it's getting. Um, one other thing, I mean, that makes me think, um, one last thing, the difference, you know, it, I, it's touched on a little bit in the film, but the difference in where he came from and his life and you yeah. and your life um, maybe that's not some, I mean, there's moments in the film where we see a little bit of that, but has that affected maybe how you look at uh, telling a story when you're you know, approaching a subject matter or a way of life that's really different? Um, well, I think the first thing is to acknowledge that there is that difference and that you have a certain power by making a movie. You know, you're not neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, you can edit that out. You can cut it out. You can hide it from the audience, but you're not neutral. And you have to acknowledge that and bring that respect to people and to their experience. So, like, when you watch the film, um, you don't get a sense of anything that could really put Sanson in danger inside, right? Like, prison's a dangerous place. We erased all that because he said, hey, I want you to keep in mind where I am and all that. Yeah, of course. That kind of collaboration is important. But at the end of the day, you have to be an artist, right? Like, and artists are important. and And it's really critical that we as a community support are artists telling stories that are, you know, that are not comfortable sometimes. Yeah, you and, know? You, and you have to have a point of view, I understand. Exactly. Like you can't be totally objective, just a fly on the wall. Yeah. You do have to convey the message you're trying to convey. Exactly. And so, and so with that in mind, um, I think the film does a really interesting, unique, just very 
non-conventional way of telling this story. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you're here at the festival. I hope uh, you're having a good time here. Um, any other thoughts you want to say about your I film? I would just say, um, you know, I, I love coming to Houston. It's my second year in a row. Right. So I'm just very happy. Audiences here are super intelligent. They're bright. They open up their hearts to the films. The conversations right. are always great. And I just wish you many more years of a festival. All right. Yeah. Great. Sounds good. I thank you for your time, Rodrigo. Take care. All right. Thanks a lot. Yeah. All right, so I'm here with Jason Liao. And with your film? It's In the Forest of Nicene Marks. All right. So, Jason, first off, I just want to say I, we've known each other for a little while, right? Yeah, Seen you here and there, or we've seen each other around uh, the Houston area. Um, yeah. But I know that you are uh, particularly committed as a filmmaker to seeing something through. And sure, so sure, yeah. that's one of the big questions I have for you with regard to this film. You know, this was a film that I remember hearing you started a few years ago. Yeah. yeah. So tell me a little bit about the complications and the challenges you had because of the pandemic trying to get mm -hmm. this film made. Yeah. Uh, well, the, well, the movie kind of just started out as a Facebook post and I, I was like, I, I want to do a script. I want somebody to send me in a, a short film script just something quick and easy. This is about March 2020, and I thought I was going to be done in about six months. But uh, Rosemary Griggs, uh, I met her at Austin Film Festival, and uh, you know she sent me a short film script, and it was it was amazing. I was like, I could see myself making this, and let's just do this. Yeah. And it was set in San Francisco, so I was like, I'll go to San Francisco and shoot a film. I mean, right. that's a dream of mine to go to California and make a movie. So uh, I was like, let's do it. And then she found uh, producing partners, a whole, like a collective. And they have a film collective over there. It's called the Encounters Film Collective. Okay. Uh, we had six producers on the film. So the collective brought on uh, department heads, cinematographer, editor, uh, like, like assistant director, right. and a couple of other producers who all just kind of came on, and they all became producers. So there was seven producers total. It was me, Rosemary, David Usner, uh, Antonio Ferenza, uh, Vanessa Landon, Bill Shoup, and Stuart Locklear. Okay. So I was like, oh, man, we're, you know, we're, we've got this done. So we started kind of working on the script. Uh, we had a lot of, you know, decisions we had to work through. You know, then the pandemic hit. It... And we're, we really didn't think we were going to finish. We are just like, okay, let's just forget about this. I was like, dude, come on. Let's just, let's just do it. Yeah. I, cause I was like, I always, I've been through worse stuff than this. I've overcome that on my past four projects. And uh, I just kept pushing. And, uh, you know, we found the locations, we did the research and we, we found the cast and everything. And, and we we're like, okay, we're ready to go. Let's just shoot in October. I know there's a lot of like restrictions and stuff, but I'll fly over there. Um, and then we uh, we were just about to shoot, and uh, and then it got kind of pretty hot, and in the in the, the the COVID yeah. started flaring up in the in the winter time, and then we push it back, and then we had other changes and stuff, and then we finally filmed it the following October. Um, but yeah, but but basically, we I mean we wouldn't have done it unless like I would have put I pushed, I said hey let's. Let's just pull the trigger on this Kickstarter. And then we did it. Not everybody was ready for it, but we did it, and we, we raised the money. And then I said, look, I'm buying a ticket. We're going. I bought a ticket. I had to cancel the ticket, and we pushed back the ticket a year. Yeah. And so I finally flew up there, and then we finally uh, wow. we finally shot it. That sounds like a journey. I mean, that's... <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Right? That's... So... You mentioned something, uh, the cast. And, yes. you know, the, the story of this film, uh, from what I understand, right, it's mm. essentially, it's, it's an all-deaf cast? Yeah, yeah. So uh, what, pretty much all what kind cast. of challenges did you have with that, like, just as a director? as Well, I think that the deaf cast wasn't even really that big of an issue, really? it turned out to be. 
COVID turned out to be a bigger issue than that. Of course. Sure. But whenever you're working with de a deaf cast, yeah, you have to have a, an interpreter uh, to really understand them. And uh, we had two amazing interpreters. Uh, one was Bernard Buford, and the other one was uh, Roberto Santiago. Okay. I think uh, the films you've done that I've seen, um, uh -huh. they, they have a deeper meaning always, it seems like. I, I feel like there's more to them. You're great at putting layers yeah. to things and, yeah. and giving it depth and humanity that maybe is not on the surface, you know? But yeah. I appreciate the work that you do. Um, yeah. So, you know, the fact that you've got another film here again, I mean, you've got... How many films now have you had at the Houston Latin Film Festival? They, they, they played all five of my films. Okay. So, so five. So there you and go. I was at the first Houston Latino That's right. Film Festival. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, Jason, I, I know you, you know, we're in the middle of the party here, so I just wanted to have you come on, talk about your film for a minute. Um, yeah. Any yeah. other thoughts you want to share? I mean, we're... Well, well it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's the story of, of a family that lives off the grid. It's called In the Forest of Nicene Marks. It's a story about a family that lives off the grid, and uh, and they, they're, they're clown performers, and they juggle and do magic tricks over in... Uh, over in San Francisco for money. Uh, they kind of have special powers, uh, but they're all deaf. And uh, the daughter's a coda. She can actually speak, but she signs with her parents. But she prefers actually not to speak. Okay. So, you know, it, it's a story about a, a girl kind of like losing her family, which is, uh, which is why I gravitated towards it. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's got some meaning to me, and I hope other people who see it exactly but, uh, but yeah i mean it's it's all a process i mean you just keep working i mean i, I loved i loved making the film yeah you know it, it it was a it was a joy to make it it was a joy to go to california to make it it was a joy to meet all the producers that we had and work with them how was that was that a grind going back and forth or? Oh, yeah. yeah yeah i mean it you know i mean it, it's horrible to not be able to rehearse in person right but um but you know, we, we we did as much rehearsal as we could, and uh, we had a few Zoom meetings. Then we went out there, and you know, we did it. it and working with a kid, you know, I mean, it's you know, to get them there in that emotional state is is tough. Sure, sure. So that was a challenge, and then it, it, editing was the challenge. Everything is is a challenge, but it's it's a lot of fun. Okay, fun work. Well, good. Uh, congratulations again being here at the festival. Yeah. I mean, it's always good to see you. Yeah, good to see you around. Me too, Robert. Know you're still doing it. So yeah, I'm, I'm working on another. Uh, hopefully, the next one will be a feature. Okay. Maybe a short. I don't know, yeah. but I'm gonna do either a feature or a short. Pretty, you know, this year. So. Okay. Well, great, yeah. man. Thanks Keeping for thanks for stopping over here for a minute. I appreciate All it, right. buddy. All right. Thank, Thank you, you so much. All right, Robert. All right, so I'm here with... My name is Sofia Jaramillo. Okay, and the film you're with... Waiting for Change. All right, and that's part of our Houston Hitters short film block. Uh, this is the last day of the film festival, and this is where usually our Houston filmmakers or stories about Houston uh, get a showcase. So tell me a little bit about your how you came into contact with JR or his story and decided to make a film about it. Yeah, um, Junior is my best friend. Uh, we've known each other for about five years, and we're both creatives, and we really wanted to make a film. Um, so at first we were like, oh, maybe it's about fly fishing, because we both like fly fishing. Maybe it's about like the ecosystem we live in in Jackson, Wyoming. And then I started talking to him about his story and what it was like for him to come from Houston to Jackson, Wyoming. And I was like, oh. You're the character. We gotta make the film about you. Okay. So that's kind of okay. what happened. Okay. And I said Jr. His name is Junior. So um, that's interesting because I I was curious watching the film. Um, it seemed like a very interesting story. I wasn't sure where the connection came from, but that's that's. So you guys knew each other. Oh, great. So did you know about like, his his background here in Houston and the environment or the just the difference in scenery? 
Yeah, I didn't know about that as first. Okay. Uh, at first, as much like yeah. I heard a little bit about Houston, but it really wasn't until um, at first the, the story was just going to be about Junior, what it's like for him as a Mexican American living in a predominantly white mountain town and fly fishing. Um, and then he, we had him write a little script, like a one-page kind of script, mm-hmm. where he told his story and half of the page was about Houston. Ah. So we're like, okay, we got to go to Houston. Yeah. Okay. And we knew it was really important to his story and his family was as well. And that's why we filmed here too. Okay. So were there any challenges with that of shooting in one location, one part of the country and then picking up or did you kind of, I think how'd the, you juggle that? The biggest challenges was, was funding really? to get down here. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, also like hurricanes are a thing here. So yeah. it was kind of hard to plan when to come. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, so yeah, like funding was the biggest thing. Cause once we realized we had to go to Houston, we we're like, Oh, this is going to be a much bigger project than we anticipated. Mm-hmm. When we first started out, we pitched it as a two minute short video. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the focus on fly fishing is that that's mostly, I assume because that's just a passion of his and okay. Yeah, Junior is a really big fly fisherman, and uh, he taught me how to fly fish, and I see him teaching our community of Latinos in, in Jackson how to fly fish, and yeah, that's why we focused on it. Okay, because the film really conveys that it is a relaxing type of activity, and you know, when you, <laughs> there, there are scenes in the film where Junior and his family are yeah. in Galveston, and fishing at the beach is a very different... Yeah, uh, chaotic, right? It's a very different experience, <laughs> yeah. So... That's that's kind of what I'm wondering is knowing the difference there did that did that inform anything about how you shot the film or or just structured it even? Oh, certainly. I yeah. think that for me, looking at it as a director, I saw one of the strongest parts of the story being those differences in the juxtaposition between just like what you're saying, like fishing with family is wild and you're neck deep in water, right? Yeah. And then in Jackson, you're solo and you're yeah. alone and it's about solitude. Right. Um, so yeah, and, and, and honestly, that is a big reflection of what Junior's life has okay. been like. Okay. Like here, he's been completely surrounded by his community sure. of color, his family, and then in Jackson, he's one of the very few Latinos on the water, right. if not the only. Okay. And, and I'm sure that is a very important goal of the film overall is is showing that or representing. Yeah, I mean, I think that both of us understand um, and I understood a lot deeply through Junior's story that family is extremely important to us as Latinos. Mm -hmm. So not showing that would do his story a disjustice, you know? Yeah. And I think that's also something that I really want my white friends to see, to understand, like, why is it so hard to leave home? Well, it's hard to leave home when you're extremely connected to your family and they are like so much a part of your heart that without them your heart feels broken mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a place of comfort it's a place of stability and sometimes you're kind of just drawn there and you yeah. don't even know why yeah. and, and so talking to Junior and hearing his experience with that um, I, was that a similar experience to you that you could relate to or uh, yeah certainly um I am Colombian American, so my dad is from Colombia and my mom is from Idaho. Um, my dad's entire family and my dad live in Colombia. Okay. And that's been kind of a theme of my whole life, like being far away from my family there, okay. um, which has been really hard. But I know sure. those moments when I can connect with them are so valuable, and and I could see that in Junior's story as well. Okay, got it. So it's a very kind of a, almost a kinship there. Yeah. With the experience and telling this kind of story. Mm-hmm. So, great, great. So, Sophia, that's really all I had. I just wanted to get a few thoughts on the film, and I hope you're enjoying the festival. And you I get love to see, this festival. You get Thank to see you some so other films. Or yeah. Um, wow, great. Gods of yeah. Mexico. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. Blew my mind yesterday. Totally. <laughs> that was amazing. For That'll sure. be in my head for like for the whole, whole year. Yeah, yeah. So great work here and including yours. Um, so I hope you enjoy. If you're going to check out anything else, hope you enjoy it. And uh, thanks for talking with yeah, me. Yeah, thank All you right. so much. I All appreciate right. it. All right, so I'm here with... Uh, Junior Rodriguez. Okay. And the name of your film... Is Waiting for Change. All right. And that's part of our Houston Hitters short film block. 
uh, here on the last day of the Houston Latino Film Festival, and a couple things that came to mind, and I asked, uh, I asked the cinematographer Mason about it, is the juxtaposition of these locations. You know, this is obviously a part of, this is a film about your story. Right. So, capturing that on film, how important was that to you versus maybe where you are in now, Wyoming? Yeah. Capturing the difference. Yeah. It was, it was really important because when we started, uh, we had a voiceover, and I talk a lot about the reef and Galveston, and the crew literally couldn't imagine what I was saying because I was saying Galveston is hot and muggy. Okay. It's like, so y'all were like having fun. It's like, nah, we were kind of like sweating and like okay. it smelled funny. So no frame of reference. Yeah, there was to, nothing. Okay. They, they, they couldn't really understand. Yeah. And um, on stage, I talked about the reef and the reef is really mm -hmm. a special place that's gone now. And it's on the south side. Of, it was on the south side of Houston. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just crystal clear water. And like, you just didn't find that in Houston. Like, you can't find that now and it's right. it's really sad but um, you know that was a benchmark for me experiencing the outdoors with my family and so the the locations that you're in we're talking about Galveston you're talking about Houston uh, Wyoming these are all locations that you're entirely familiar with your family is here in Houston right yeah and so what has that been like uh, just here in the screening with your family how many family members do you have here today? I, I, think, I think we had to get like 23 tickets. Oh, really? Yeah, for my so family. You've got, so you've got a big representation here. Yeah, my family drove down from Fort Worth, which means a lot. Yeah. Um, the, that's what I meant um, on stage as well, that like my family lives in Fort Worth, so okay. they, when they came down, yeah. they always wanted to go to the beach, so we would uh -huh. always go to Galveston. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we would always go to Galveston for Easter uh -huh. in the summer. We would go to the reef as well. Um, it meant a lot, and I wish that you know they could have been in the film as well because it's hard to just sort of show a piece of my family when it's like really everyone that sort of made who I am. When you have family that's watching this on screen, um, can you kind of gauge what the feeling is? Or are you is it a little <laughs> bit of nerves? Of oh, it's it's a lot of nerves because yeah. you know like not everybody like made it into the film, but everybody sure. was interviewed. And and it's your story, so I'm sure there's a part of it where. Well, that's people, that's the whole thing that I'm yeah. trying to get across. That it's not my story is their story. Like I'm not. I'm a reflection of them, and I wanted them to be in it because okay. Okay. I they I am them like. Yeah. This person that you see or that you see in the film, like it's it's my tias, it's my tios, my cousins, it's all it's the cousins I don't know, it's the future cousins. I hear you, yeah. I hear you. So I actually um, I really appreciate that that aspect of the film of showing not only that where you're from and and the area and the and the family you grew up with, but also taking your family to Wyoming. Yeah, and and the the efforts you're making there. So I think that's a big part of the film. I, I assume that's. A big goal of the film, right? Yeah, yeah. So it is. Can you talk about that. Like yeah, trying to get the family out there, trying to get them to understand uh, my whole lifestyle because I'm the only one that kind of went away. Okay. Like my other three brothers, they live here in Houston. My okay. two sisters, they live in here in Houston. My cousins live here. Like everybody is in Houston or Fort Worth yeah. or Del Rio, and and I'm the like odd one that kind of went away at 18 like went to school in Portland kind of mm -hmm. never came back mm -hmm. until I was about 26 27 I tried to live here to be closer because my niece was born and it was just too hot and yeah. the outdoor access there's outdoors here but it's just a little different it's very different it's very different yeah. <laughs> and I, I need that sort of um, I don't know the more like aggressive nature that's out yeah. there than yeah. like we took Mason and Sophia to the Houston Museum of Natural Science, and they were kind of blown away by how many trees there are. Mm. They're like, it's so green here. Like, there's so many oak. He's like, yeah, what did you think Houston was? Yeah. I think it's so funny what, what gets projected, because in Jackson, same idea, you know, this, like, beautiful landscape gets projected out into the world. But if you live there, like... It's a very. It's not a great place for Latinos. It's not a great place if you're non-white. It's not a great place if you don't have money. Like it's a hard life up there. Okay, um, and, and that's that's what I mean. That's a big part of I think what seems like the goal of the film is to show the the difference. Exactly. And whether it can be changed, and I, and I feel like your your film here is a part of doing that. Is showing that you know 
shining a light on it. Yeah. Um, and hopefully some more representation or just a different, a, a more diverse community that can happen there yeah. know, if, if that's possible. Yeah, totally. So, because it's certainly, it's certainly the case here in Houston. You know, we're here at the festival and I'm sure you saw you saw all the films in your block yeah, here, but yeah. did you see any others? Yeah, yeah. The yeah. films before, Greenwater. Oh, my God, Greenwater. Yeah, so that some one hit. <laughs> great films here. And so I, I appreciate you taking a few minutes um, to share your film and to talk with us here. So, yeah, thank you, uh, Robert. Thanks again, appreciate JR. It. Yeah. Appreciate it. You have a good day. You too. All thanks. Right. I'm here with... Danny Geraldo Martinez. All right. And Danny, your film is... Lilith. And your film screened here as part of a block with filmmakers from Texas. That's right. Right? Uh, we're here at the Houston Latino Film Festival. And yeah. how has your experience been just in the, the short time you've been here? So far, I must admit, this is one of the most uh, welcoming festivals that I've ever attended. Really? This yeah. is the first time that I've done the festival circuit. And it, to me, this has just been the most uh, exciting one so far from everything about it, the crew and uh, the location, the city, the people. It's been great. Oh, great, great. That's great to hear. Um, what is it, So this is your first experience with festivals. Uh, yes. Is this your first short? This certainly is. I've, I've, um, I've been involved in the San Antonio film community since uh, 2011, 2012. Okay. Just assisting on other projects, uh, friends of mine projects, whether it was screenwriting or doing production assistant work. But uh, this was my first uh, directorial project. Okay. Indeed. What kind of challenges as a first time director, mm -hmm. what kind of challenges did you hit that maybe you hadn't seen or... or been witnessed to yeah right they were um i suppose mostly uh logistical because mm -hmm. i had a certain budget that i had planned uh, for only two days of shooting but when we were on set it ended up being three days of shooting so i didn't plan it all the way through and thankfully i had a uh, a wonderful assistant director who was reminding me, hey, Danny, we're going to have to take this to three days. And sure enough, we did. But um, the great thing about that was that the crew that were that were assisting me in the uh, making of Lilith, they believed in the story. They liked what, you know, what was happening. And so I sort of gained their trust. So when the time came for me to ask, hey, were you guys willing to do a third day? Everyone said yes. So that was a little bit of a, you know, a challenge to kind of hurl around. But um, again, it's, it's all just really about having trust in your crew and, and uh, trying to maintain uh, trust in them. I, you know? I think that's important. I mean, we, we have a lot of short film filmmakers. Yeah. And... You know, the idea that everyone's going to hit challenges, they're going to learn some new things. Absolutely. Uh, whether it's dealing with production, scheduling, yes. casting. Yeah. Scheduling, and uh, there were a couple of, you know, production errors that um, I didn't see until we arrived at post-production. Mm -hmm. um, and there were a couple moments when I told myself, gosh, like, how did I not see that on set? But, of course, uh, it was a great learning experience for me, and I think that's what I really needed to, you know, experience. So going forward, I know not to, you know, encounter and go, you know, and, and have those same experiences um, again. Uh, and in terms of directing, if that's a role that's new to you, like how have you found... Have you have you found comfort in that role, or is it still something you want to? I mean, everybody wants to get better. Of, of course, yeah. Well, I, I think at the core of it, I like to consider myself more of a storyteller. Mm -hmm. I've always just loved telling stories, ever since I was you know a kid in my teens. Just um, and they were usually more along the lines of paranormal, ghost stories, supernatural stories. So. Um, I think really I just reminded myself, hey, I had to just continue to engage myself as a storyteller and remind everyone on board that, hey, this is a story. Please assist me and help me to convey, you know, this message and this theme and this whole story. And it's the beauty of collaboration while you're on set as a filmmaker. And yeah. that certainly was, um, you know, incredible experience to, to go through. 
Uh, also, in terms of genre, right? Yeah. So your your film here kind of works in different genres, or is more of a genre film than, let's say, something that's. It certainly you know, is. It's not a kitchen sink drama. No, right? yeah, it certainly is. I mean, I, I know I, I wanted to go up more of that that thriller alley. And how does that, in terms of the story and, and your approach to telling the story, uh, did you find maybe certain uh, inspiration or influences? That certainly, you, no. Okay. I think this was my this was my tribute to th- old thriller shows such as The Twilight Zone. And uh, tales from the dark side, and tales from the crypt, and I just wanted to uh, give a spin on that classic tale of character meets ultimate evil, and there's a bargaining situation taking place. So okay. you know, um, so uh, yeah, I mean, it was just basically you know just seeing things that I grew up with and things right. that I was inspired by, and, yeah. and trying to sort of. Uh, test myself if I can maybe curate something on that level. Okay. You know? Okay. Yeah. And are there any, let's say, any particular stylistic choices that you found making that uh, that were informed by actual production versus like, well, I have this idea. Yeah, no. Um, thankfully, my DP, uh, Pablo Veliz, he read the script and he was able to provide me uh, certain lighting and aesthetic techniques uh, that I had no idea about. Uh, ones that, that were not in my head while I was writing it. So, uh, again, it's just that beauty of collaboration. So when I when I uh, provided or you know when I uh, approached Pablo with uh, the script, he said, "Well, why don't we?" Because he asked me, it was like you want to go this way and you want it to be a thriller and you want it to be about, you know, this evil entity. Why don't we sort of change the layout and change the environment and really turn it into some sort of personal hell. And hence there were a lot of red lighting involved. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, it's just about the trust of working with, you know, the the, the people. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a key thing. Especially with shorts, because you're on a tighter schedule, tighter yeah. resources. Right. And even people, you're tight on people sometimes. So yeah. everyone's really got to pull their weight and contribute. And and it's great. And you need to allow yourself to say yes. And you need to allow yourself to, you know, be willing to collaborate with their ideas. Yeah. And um, I'm not, I've, I've never really been an artist uh, where I'm just concerned with my uh, approach to it. I want you know, everyone's uh, input into it, especially the people that I'm working with. So my DP, he was able to integrate uh, a certain stylistic visual to it. And I allowed my actors to improv and to really get into, uh, you know, um, the shoes into the Mm -hmm. characters and uh, allow them to breathe and allow them to like, you know, curate it, you know, their own, sort of unique style to it so and at the end it all just worked out you know just beautifully that's great i mean the i i subscribe to that too it's kind of like the best idea wins right it doesn't matter where it comes from who it comes from yeah as long as it helps make the project better if we're all on the same level then let's just do it man yeah yeah so great great that's that's the questions i have for you i appreciate you taking a, a few minutes here um we're here at the festival and uh Hey, enjoy the rest of the festival. I shall. Um, I'll see you around. But, Thank you for um, this opportunity. Uh, yeah, thanks for stopping and, and talking with us for a minute. So. I mean, absolutely, man. Anytime. All right. Thank you so much again. Sure. All right, so I am here with... Justin Rodriguez. Justin Rodriguez. And what's the name of your film? Uh, producer and editor for the film Lilith, playing here at Houston Latino Film Festival. All right, thanks. Welcome to the festival, by the way. I hope you're having a good time here. It's amazing time. Um, just a couple questions. Uh, with your experience on this film, yeah. um, I understand you've you've got some experience with short films and, and just the whole process, but yeah. was there anything particularly challenging or, or new to working on this film? This film, I guess the most challenging part that was like it took place in like the dead dead winter <laughs> right yeah it took place in the dead winter okay and uh we shot in san antonio which was um you know it was like uh you know crazy cold and like it was some san antonio houses don't have central air so get this 
uh, one time, uh, like, everybody in the cast and crew was so cold that we uh, turned on the oven and just, like, opened the... Open the <laughs> open the thing so everyone could just get warm. I really? think that I think that was probably the most challenging thing. Other than that, it's just like a blast. You know, okay. I love shooting film. Okay, great, great. And in terms of editing, um, I assume you practice at that, or you've got uh, a background yeah, in that. Or? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I edit all you know most of all of my films personally, and okay. this is the first time where I was editing uh, you know somebody else's film, which was really? the director Danny Martinez. Sure. Uh, and so we collaborated, and uh, yeah, so I edited that, and uh, yeah, it was just such a fun process to edit with somebody else. So, and what is it like editing to someone else's vision, to well, someone else's that's, direction? that's a great question. Like, some people don't know how collaborative it is, you know, because everybody likes to take control of their own thing, but uh, it's a great learning process to, to learn with other people. You know, so um, you know, we uh, we came into a, a perfect uh, what do you call it? A perfect middle ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, the film turned out to be amazing, and now we're here at Houston Latino Film Festival. Right, right, yeah. of course. So it worked out. Great, great. So, and since you're maybe a little more, you've got a few under your belt. Um, yeah. How has it been, kind of going through this process with this film, yeah. um, being a part of it, obviously, but. Yeah helping usher it through the, the process? Has that been a part of it? Yeah, yeah. So, like, Danny's a great director, and this yeah. is his first short film. Right. So um, I was kind of telling him, like, hey, man, like, they might be looking for this. Like, let's trim it down a little bit. Like, stuff like that, you know, like, uh, which ended up helping the film. And, you know, every editor has, like, their own thing about, like, killing, you know, trimming the fat. And, right. Like, you know, you have your first edit, and it's probably, like, 30 minutes long. And sometimes you got to go to down a half so like you know just trying to get there is is a very fun process and uh, I think that's the best you know thing that I'm, I'm great at and it's just been a lot of fun oh great great so and you're pleased with the, the, the final product I'm sure yeah especially watching it today on the yeah. block yeah I was like wow yeah like played really well everybody enjoyed it and so the the festival experience even so having your film screened and being able to see not only how your work turned out but even see what other filmmakers are doing i'm sure that's a that's the best part like one of the best parts of coming to film festivals is watching these like undiscovered gems maybe no one like you know like it's hard to see you know like some people will never know about them, but you should know about them. And it's like one of my favorite parts is watching other people's work. Yeah. And it's it's a very, very amazing, you know, community. And you get to meet these people and you get to see what everybody else is doing. And it's a really good thing for a filmmaker to discover. Right. Yeah. And that's that's entirely the purpose of this festival is exactly. to connect people, celebrate these kinds of stories, these kinds of filmmakers, oh, yeah. and um, and just you know give you a good experience here. That yeah. you know, maybe you can get to other festivals, but you're getting it here, and it's just for you. It's just for Latino filmmakers and Latino stories. So yeah, uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you very much, Justin, for Absolutely. taking a minute. Absolutely. Um, anything else you want to say about your film? Uh, no, I mean, just it's gonna be out like on Vimeo everywhere, and uh, okay. it's just been a lot of fun, like you know, and just watch the circuit happen and just yeah. watch out for everybody here at Latino Film you know, Festival because I think everybody here is like the future of filmmaking, especially representing Latino backgrounds, yeah. Yeah. and um, it's, it's just it's just an amazing experience. All right, well, great, great, I appreciate it. Thank you very much, absolutely. Thank you All so right, man. much, man. So good. <laughs> Okay, so hope you enjoyed those uh, takes from filmmakers and all the people that are required to, to get some of these works uh, off the ground and get them into festivals, get them in front of audiences. It's a very unique experience for uh, festival goers. You know, I've talked to some people here just attending the event and getting their feedback and getting their, their point of view on what this is like. You know, Houston isn't necessarily big on film festivals. We're not necessarily an entertainment town, but uh, uh, that's all the more reason to appreciate what the Houston Latino Film Festival is doing here by bringing this experience to Houston and specifically focusing on Latino films and Latino stories. So all that said, you know, I have to thank my my special guest co-host, Jesus Blickweed, 
who really helped me kind of break down some of these films and talk about the great things in them and the great people behind them. And uh, I hope you enjoyed hearing the, the takes from them, the filmmakers themselves. Uh, I also need to congratulate the crew here. There's Dave Sabrero, there's David Cortez, there's Pedro Rivas, and all of the volunteers. Uh, you know, the media team here who I kind of see back and forth running across the, the, the festival spot. We've got Abraham who's doing our DJ. We've got Julio who's doing video and all kinds of photographers, Ren, Rafa, everybody else that's here. Um, Kim and uh, we've got Nina. There's so many people involved with this festival. And I think the idea is that everybody here... Everybody here is humble. Everybody here is down to earth. We really appreciate everybody that has come to the festival. It's great to meet new people. It's great to see people have a good time. And it's kind of like everybody's a little bit of a family here. I've been here, coming here for seven, eight years now, since the beginning. And you see a lot of familiar faces. And if you come, you come check it out. Don't be afraid to uh, say hi and shake someone's hand and get to know the people here behind the festival and then the people also attending. It's a great spot. It's a great community. And I think uh, whether you're making a film or you're just interested in seeing films, you're bound to have a good time. So if you want to find out more about next year's festival or any other events that are coming up, go to HoustonLatinoFilmFestival.org and you can see what else might be showing up there or sign up for email updates and you get notifications about whenever the next thing is going to drop. And so, look, that's it for me. I appreciate you listening. Thanks for checking this out. Uh, my name is Rob. And, hey, you want to hear more, go to Filmstreak.com. You can subscribe there. You can sign up to get your own email notifications from that, too. I try not to plug you up with too much email, but, you know, we want to make sure you get the content, right? So in the meantime, hey, enjoy yourself. I'm going to go watch some new movies.